This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. You're joining us for a special episode as part of our 2023 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has the trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now, and in a previous life, I sold commercial printing, so I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, basically, you give them a membership list, and from there, they contact your members, and it's no high-pressure sales or anything, and it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish, and it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished, and I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters, and with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Nick Mancino. Nick is the first Gen X president and CEO of the Gwinnett Chamber and Partnership Gwinnett. At the helm, Nick is known for his strong leadership commitment to Gwinnett and more than two decades of making an impact in the community and economic development arenas. As president and CEO, Nick has shepherded the most diverse board of directors in chamber history, reinvigorated its public policy focus, implemented new strategic plan, and is currently overseeing a massive renovation to Georgia's largest chamber of commerce facility. He also led the Gwinnett Chamber to receive its first ever five-star accreditation rating from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in 2022. The former Chief Economic Development Officer for Partnership Gwinnett and the Gwinnett Chamber, Nick oversaw the business recruitment and retention efforts for Gwinnett and the implementation of Partnership Gwinnett strategy. The Chamber-led initiative has since delivered roughly 357 company expansions, or relocations representing more than 28,000 new jobs and $4.1 billion in private capital investment. Prior to these achievements, Nick was an executive in the recruiting and staffing industry while serving as Georgia's youngest mayor in the city of Swanee. In addition to his day job, Nick serves on a plethora of boards, including the Regional Business Coalition of Metro Atlanta, the Coalition for Quality Growth, and the Georgia Chamber and the uh, Water Tower Global Innovation Hub at Gwinnett. His influence in the greater Gwinnett region has earned him many accolades, such as most most notable Georgians, Power 100, most influential Atlantans, 
and 100 Most Influential Georgians. He holds a bachelor's degree in interpersonal, in interpersonal and organizational communication from The Ohio State University and resides with his wife, Suzanne, in Suwannee, Georgia. And they're the, the proud parents of three adult children. Nick, I'm excited to have you with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to say hello to all the Chamber Champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better. Uh, awesome. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And I'm sorry you had to bore everybody with my bio, uh, but uh, I appreciate you introducing me. The interesting thing about me, I'm as you mentioned in the bio, I'm married to Suzanne Messino, and we actually met. Uh, in a swimming pool in eighth grade. Uh, and she went on to become my high school, college uh, sweetheart. And we got married about six months after college. And we've been married for uh, 29 years uh, in two Sundays. So really excited about that. That's awesome. Congratulations. You must have been a mature eighth grader because usually those interactions <laughs> at a swimming pool don't turn out well. So <laughs> I, I don't know that I was, but he was also only in eighth grade too. So uh, that helps. That helps. Yeah. I think he was forgiving. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about the Gwinnett Chamber and Partnership Gwinnett, just to give us an idea of the type of chamber, scope of work you do, size, um, staff, budget, that sort of thing to kind of set the stage for our discussion. Sure. Absolutely. So the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce uh, is located in Gwinnett County. Uh, which most people have never heard of before. Um, we are situated directly northeast of Metro Atlanta. Uh, Gwinnett has a million residents. Uh, in 1987, 88, 89, percentage-wise, was the fastest-growing county in the United States for three years. We've been in the top 100 fastest-growing counties for the last 30 years. We average about, uh, in the last 10 years, I think we've averaged about 18 it's probably 17 to 18,000 new residents. That's births and relocations. Um, I'm, I'm one of those. I graduated, as you mentioned, from the Ohio State University. And about four weeks later, I moved to Gwinnett County. And I was in search of a job uh, and a career. And uh, the Olympics were happening in Atlanta in 1996. This was two years before the Olympics. And there just seemed to be a lot of energy. Um, and I don't think I was alone. I think at one point, we were the we had the most the highest percentage of Gen Xs of any metro area in the United States. Uh, and I just think there was a lot of people from the Northeast and Midwest that were looking for something new and a little warmer. And uh, apparently for about a 10-year period, we all moved to Atlanta. <laughs> some people moved, moved back home and some of us stayed. Um, so I'm, I'm here in Gwinnett, lived here for 29 consecutive years. Uh, I live in the little hamlet, the little city of Swanee, Georgia. Uh, of which I was a mayor for eight years and really, really enjoyed. Gwinnett is made up of 16 municipalities, but the most of the counties unincorporated. Uh, but we have, like every suburban area, we have jobs here. We have uh, about 24,000 companies, uh, 10,000 sole proprietors. Uh, and so we're a really large suburban chamber. We have 32 to 34, based on the time, uh, full-time employees. We are in a 60,000 square foot chamber building. I do believe outside of the U.S. chamber, it's the largest chamber building in the United States. Uh, we own the whole building and uh, we are uh, overseeing a massive 
23-year uh, update to the building, and which is involving uh, $4 million worth of construction. And uh, hopefully in November, they'll be delivering a million dollars worth of new furniture. Uh, and we're really excited uh, uh, with this uh, reinvestment into this incredible building. We're really unique. Uh, we're right next to an arena and a convention center and uh, two uh, full-service hotels. And uh, we, we also have, this is really unique, we have a first-class steakhouse on the top floor of our building and a private club. Uh, the chamber uh, members, the board members started the private club uh, in, in the year 2000, the same year the chamber building was open. And we introduced in 2017 the steakhouse. And it is first class. It's the top five, it's a top five revenue producing restaurant in Georgia. So we, it was really unique little hub of activity here in the middle of Gwinnett County. So does the chamber still operate the, the club and steakhouse or has that been spun well, off? It, yeah. Well, we never operated it. Okay. We just, our board members started it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm the landlord. Uh, I'm a board member. I'm an executive board member of the private club. Gotcha. Uh, we have the lease agreement between the private club and the steakhouse. So it is uh, it like I had some guests up there for lunch yesterday and uh, they were like, oh, this is really nice. And we're like, yeah, we're really, this is a really nice cafeteria of ours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, it, that's fantastic. It's it's pretty awesome. It's it's some of my peers at ACCE. Uh, I was able to host. I think it was in the summer of twenty one. I hosted a peer group of about twenty CEOs, and I actually forgot to tell them we had a steakhouse. I just said, "Oh, we're going to dinner," and I just told them wh where it was, but I didn't tell them it was on the third floor of the chamber. And they thought I was uh, sandbagging, like as a show off. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah," they were like, "Nick, you brag about everything. You didn't brag about the the steakhouse." <laughs> <laughs> that that's awesome i love it yeah um yeah so you mentioned as far as the size of the building so how do, is it just like over the years hearing the size of other chambers buildings you kind of benchmark you know where you guys kind of fall in there or? It, it, it's, it's really interesting i think in like 2007 or 8 we had that that year's chair of the u.s chamber doing a road show and he had been to like 17 like large suburban and metro chambers. And he said, he said, I have been to almost every large chamber, you know, of a certain scale and above. He said, this is by far the biggest building. And so that just got us interested. So we've been kind of on the lookout for a building that might be bigger than ours. And we've yet to, well, we did find it. It was the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. <laughs> they, actually, they actually have two buildings in D.C., which are both bigger than ours. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, so we that, have to qualify it. Yeah, no, that, that's good stuff, though. So you guys obviously are involved with economic development, though, too, as, as far as the chamber work goes. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I, it's funny I failed to mention that because you asked me. And I, I did lead our economic development initiative for almost 13 years called Partnership Gwinnett, which is a community collaboration between the county, our municipalities, our school system, our community improvement districts, and then the private sector and the chamber. And we lead that effort. Um, and it, it, it encompasses about 10 of our 34 employees uh, and they get up every day to recruit, retain and expand businesses, both uh, domestically and internationally. Awesome. Awesome. Um, 
Well, what I the way I like to kind of structure these Chamber of the Year finalist interviews is to really focus on the two programs you guys submitted on your Chamber of the Year application. So if you could just tell us what those two programs are at a high level, and then we'll circle back and go into more detail on, on each of them. Sure, absolutely. Um, and so we really just set the stage for the one of the two, which it was our, our partnership Gwinnett initiative. And this is the community initiative, as I mentioned. It has three goal areas. Uh, recruit, goal one. Goal two is to make sure we have the right workforce uh, in place. And then goal three is all those. It's kind of that uh, bucket that holds everything else from community development to transportation to redevelopment. So it's, it's a three-legged stool uh, economic development strategy, um, not uncommon to other large chambers. And then our second uh section that got us to where we are is our uh, public policy initiative. And I think that that one probably is not super unique to large chambers. I think what was unique for us is um, in our five U.S. Chamber five-star uh, audit, from the previous audit, we got, uh, I don't know that we got a zero, but I think we got a 20 out of 100. So that's pretty much a failing grade. And uh and then a few years later, when we really focused in the three years, we were we went we've hired a full time public policy person, put a lot of effort and initiative. And not only did we have the effort and the action and activity, we had results. And we and then the U.S. Chamber recognized that and gave us 100 percent. So we went from 20, I think it was 20 percent to 100 percent. So uh, ACC, the, the they, they recognized um all of what I just mentioned. And uh, I think we also did a really nice um, initiative this year with our state uh, House and Senate. And I'll talk more about that in uh, follow-up questions on, on the Gwinnett Day at the Georgia Capitol. And it went over really well. Yeah, no, that's great. So that, that gives us a good idea what the two programs are. Uh, what we'll do is we'll take a short break. We'll come back and we'll dive in deeper on both of these programs and learn more how you guys structured them and, and maybe some of the origins of them as well. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Exciting news. Introducing Pippily by Chamber Nation, the innovative solution to manage and promote your community for unstoppable growth. Joining the Chamber of Commerce means one thing, commerce. Businesses want to thrive, and Pipley is here to make that happen. 
With Pipoli, your members can experience remarkable benefits even if they can't attend events. It's a game changer for retention. Say goodbye to ordinary directories and embrace a transformative commerce management system. Unlock the true power of commerce management. Picture a centralized Pipoli dashboard combining top mobile technologies for subscriptions, event registration, community communications, and more. It's incredible. Don't miss out. Visit pipoli.com to learn more. That's P-I-P-P-I-L-Y.com. Schedule your demo at richardscalendar.com. It's affordable and delivers more. Pipoli by Chamber Nation. Your community's future starts now. Hey there, Donna Nowitzki, CEO of Yifty here, and we are all about the shop local movement. We're working with more than 500 communities like yours and 15,000 small businesses like your members. We're big fans of Brandon and his Chamber Chat podcast, so we're helping to sponsor his show. But while I've got you here, what's a Yifty, you ask? It's a digital gift card branded for your chamber that people spend only at the local shops that you authorize. In 2022, we drove tens of millions of dollars to small businesses in the U.S. The program is free for chambers and free for your local shops. You can sign up for a live Zoom demo with me or one of my teammates at yifty.com demo or email sales at yifty.com. That's Y-I-F-T-E-E dot com. That's it for now. Back to the show. All right, Nick, we're back. Um, so before the break, you had mentioned what the two programs are. Um, if you don't mind, let's let's dive in a little deeper on the um, partnership Gwinnett. And you had mentioned it has kind of the three legs to that program. And maybe just tell us a, a little bit more about the program, the evolution of the program, kind of how, you, how it got to where it is today to be recognized on a national stage. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I'm really proud of it uh, because I was hired as the first partnership Gwinnett Chamber employee, and I, uh, I, 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 I took the strategy, uh, and then I, I hired all the employees, raised the funds. So it's it really it goes back to 2007 when I started here at the chamber, and it, it, it was kind of my baby for 13 years. So it started in 2006 where Gwinnett County government. Uh, Again, one of the fastest growing counties in the 80s that continued in the 90s got to the point by 2006 that they said, hey, we probably need to have an economic uh, recruitment policy. So they created their first ever economic incentives. And it was basically crickets for six months. And they thought, well, if we create it, they will come. Well, they didn't because there wasn't someone getting up every day, beating the drum uh, to site consultants, uh, corporate consultants. Uh, doing recruitment, real estate consultants. So they, they said, okay, we need to do something and, and, and communicating with the chamber and the private private sector industry. Uh, there was a, there's a company which everyone's heard of is called Cisco. They have a major presence here in Metro Atlanta and they had a huge office here in Gwinnett at the time. And they, they said, okay, we'll write a $50,000 check to do an economic study. And then that was matched with another $90,000 and they hired a consultant. They did a nine-month strategy, and out of it came Partnership Gwinnett, which is, as as mentioned, in 2007 we rolled out this. Uh, it was a five-year strategy. It had a three-legged stool, uh, which was focused on we need people to get up every day in targeted industries to recruit. So goal one is recruit. 
recruit, retain, expand jobs in our targeted industries. Number two, make sure that we're aligning all of the workforce efforts from K through 12 to post-secondary to retraining, retooling into those five target industries, and then make sure that we have a safe, clean, vibrant community uh, that is continually redeveloping and investing in itself with new roads and infrastructure. And those three things, if we stay focused on that, we should have economic success. And so we implemented that strategy in 2007 to 12 months later, running into the Great Recession. <laughs> uh, we were like so ready to go. And that was a bit of a pitfall. Uh, and we retooled uh, and, and actually brought Market Street back in. We said, hey, just 16 months ago, you said we're supposed to create, uh, it was something like 40,000 new jobs in five years. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen now. <laughs> so uh, they gave us, a, they brought them in for a couple of months and they, they retooled us a little bit. And we got going again, and it was really awesome because right out of the gate in our first five years, we ended up landing uh, NCR, Fortune 500 headquarters. Um, and then literally four months later, we landed Asbury Automotive, another Fortune 500. Uh, and then two years later, we landed and retained the merger of, of uh two companies, which became Rock 10, uh, which was another Fortune 500. So we started the recession with one Fortune 500 company and ended it with fours. So people are like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. A lot of it, <laughs> I, I mean, and let me tell you, we're really good, but a lot of it is happenstance and being at the right place at the right time. And it all just worked out for us. And we had a lot of success uh, and we've continued to have lots of success. But, wow, we went from like the high of here we go in 2007 to the low of eight, nine to end that first five years with um, having in, in our time starting the recession with one Fortune 500 ending with four. It was it was an amazing roller coaster ride. Um, but we've continued on in every five years. We've brought in a consultant. To, to do a, a top to bottom soup to nuts review of our strategy in our community. And we roll out a five-year strategy plan. We then do a fundraising campaign behind it to raise the money to fund the strategy. And we've done that now for almost uh, 20 years. Uh, we're in year, I guess, like 17 or 18. Wow. So as you kind of talked about the origins of it back in 2006, 2007 kind of time frame. I'm thinking you know, nowadays a lot of things you know rely on social media to help you know perpetuate a message or you know whatever messaging you're putting out there to try to attract and retain and everything. So at that time frame, that was before. I mean, that's still like MySpace days, right? Like 2006 and seven. <laughs> so it, it, we, there had to be a different strategy starting off and building that momentum, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I have to say, I'm going to be very quick. So I went to, I'm sure you're familiar with IEDC, the International Economic Development Council. So I was very involved in that as an economic developer. And I went to my basic 101 training. It was actually right here in Atlanta, Georgia Tech. And we had a session on social media. And so the social media I knew was LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've all been on it. Our resume's there. I was in the recruiting industry for 12 years. So I knew LinkedIn. Well, and I, I left that session and I went and signed up for MySpace and Facebook. <laughs> and we know how all that worked out. But it's right. funny is in, in 2008, like I'm doing all kinds of like 
I'm posting stuff on Facebook about the community. And my wife's like, what are you doing? You're wasting time. And she's giving me such a hard time for being on Facebook. And then I couldn't, I love the, like two years later, she gets on it and she's like, oh, okay. I was such a hater to Facebook and I kind of didn't understand what you were doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and of course, my space was completely creepy. And two weeks later, I, I turned the thing off uh, and never went back on it. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> but be because of IEDC, that course, and we got super focused on creating Instagram. And we, I think we maybe had one of the first Twitter economic development accounts. Wow. And uh, we, we actually won an IEDC award for like the best social media uh, of a large ED organization in the country, uh, so like around 2010. Uh, so we were, we were really proud of that. But so, yeah, there was really just it was just the beginning of social media. So I'm not kidding. We must have done a dozen a month of these community meetings that some like two people would come to. And we were really pumped when we'd have double digits. Ten people would come and we had to just do. And I, I was I was at every Rotary, every Qantas Club, every community HOA meeting, just telling the story. This is what we're doing. And not even I wasn't really trying to raise money. I was just trying to get awareness out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was really interesting. You know, people asking, you know, raising their hands. Why are you doing this? Why does it matter? And it was really awesome because professional meetings, people aren't going to really put you on the spot. Go to an HOA meeting. <laughs> they're going <laughs> to ask you the hard questions. And they're, it's like they almost like revel in it. Uh, but it really helped me with my talking points. And after my first year doing that, I was like, I could take on any talking point. I was so, I was like excited to go out to public meetings. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So with the the three legs you talked about, um, the one that really stands out to me that I'd like to learn a little bit more about is how you approach the, you had mentioned aligning the workforce efforts from you know, kindergarten on up to be able to to keep and retain them in the community and and have that workforce pipeline. What are some of those key things that you do to to help align those workforce efforts? Absolutely, and, and I will tell you, in two thousand eight to ten, really up until almost it feels like the beginning of COVID, um, this was completely unique. People were barely talking about this. Now, every chamber in the United States, it's their number one. A priority and uh the, it's very innovative to talk about the last three years but in 2006 and 7 when we were kicking this off it became very clear that we were pretty good at already doing this but we did we had to create some formality around it which was uh committees and goals and task force and action committees around getting the talent creators together with the employers and so we literally started this, I guess, you know, 18 years ago, projecting, hey, we're starting this new division and we're going to need this type of workforce. And we started at the same time creating career academies in our uh, high school. Uh, and even now, it's actually now all the way down to middle school. Um, we That was one of the impetuses to start what we call the Gwinnett School of Math, Science and Technology. Uh, we went to go visit one on a peer tour outside of D.C. and uh, Fairfax County, and we created it a year later in Gwinnett, and it's been the number one academic school in Georgia for the last 11 years. Um, we've since, because of this connection between the workforce and, uh, and education, we now have four STEM schools, uh, one focused on AI, and it's actually a K-12 through AI uh, integrated system, so a whole school cluster on AI. But we're we're, we're at probably year five or four on our engineering STEM school. So if you want to be an engineer, mechanical, electrical, 
you, you, we have a specific engineering school. And then the last one is health. And it's anywhere from EMT to a doctor. And you think you're going to go to medical school or become a nurse or a PT or an OT, you could go to this school. I, I also think it's important to point out we have 183,000 students hmm. in our K through 12 public school. And then we have a municipal school and we have some very large private schools. So we have well over 200,000 students being educated K through 12, not including our college and our 12 or our, our, our two year uh, technical school. Um, so we have a lot of people like this past May, we gra we had we had 15,000 graduates in Gwinnett County between all of those school systems. Um, so uh, and we and we don't leave out the private schools or the city schools, the alignment. And we we do the same with the technical college and the four year college. Wow. I love how you refer to them as talent creators. Instead of just schools, <laughs> it's not just the school system, it's their talent creators. And I think if they can, yeah. you know, really adopt that, that title, it, it puts out that, that talent and workforce uh, with a specific focus on what they want to do and what they want to become when they grow up. Right. Yes. And in two weeks, I will be in front of 1500 new teachers uh, just because of turnover in our system is so large, it's about twelve to fifteen hundred, and it's it's the big orientation of all the new teachers. And I'll go. I, they give me five minutes as chamber CEO and when I was chief economic development officer, and I just do five minute pitch on them, and then their the future is on their shoulders because the future workforce in Gwinnett County is in your kindergarten class or is about to graduate in the next nine months. So that the talent creator, I've been using that for some time and I, I give a I hopefully an inspiring speech about what their impact is in the classroom, what it means to Gwinnett County's future. Absolutely. There's so much focus these days on content creation. So to be a talent creator, that, that's important. No, no pressure to those teachers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's shift gears a little bit over to the, the public policy initiative that you guys had on your, your application for Chamber of the Year. And tell us about that and, and what makes that stand out. Yeah, and just briefly, the standout is we were doing very little uh, and we started doing some stuff. At, at, a, at a quick, fast-paced level. Um, I always say, uh, whatever you put in your budget is what you do. And so we budgeted for a full-time employee and we budgeted for them to have funds to invest. Um, and right out of the gate, we within the first year of our first uh, new leader in public policy in almost seven years, we, we were up against a big community vote to for a one cent sales tax to fund capital improvements for our cities and our county, which means police departments and 911 centers and parks and libraries uh, and roads and sidewalks and bridges. And so we we said we've got this. We're going to take the take this on. We're going to we're going to lead this effort uh, through our, our newly staffed position. And we raised monies and hired money and uh, we hired consultants. And we actually at the end of that vote, we actually had it was the highest vote yes in the previous three campaigns. And so, so, so that was huge. And then we said, well, we need to start doing Gwinnett Day at the Capitol again and go down there. And we, we did one last year, which was pretty COVID centric last year still. We're very limited, but we were there and we, we did it with, within the rules of COVID. Uh, but this year, those rules were removed and we're all back to normal. And we're trying to find the date that worked best for them and for us. And it actually had, ended up being Valentine's Day. 
So our our awesome marketing and communications graphics team came up with, you remember in elementary school, you gave Valentine's out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We created Gwinnett Loves Georgia Valentine's. And we're giving them to all of our legislators with candy. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> it, it, it is awesome. And I, I have to say, it's corny. But apparently no one had ever done that before. Uh, and I was really shocked because uh, our, our, we, we have a, a state legislature that meets annually and it meets from January uh, to March. So Valentine's Day is always right there. In the middle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how, did, how are we the first to think of this? But we have a really, really creative marketing team and they came up with it. And I thought it was 100% corny and I didn't want to do it. And they were like, no, no, no we got to do it. We're really going to stand out. And I was like, I don't know if we're going to stand out for good or bad, but we'll, we'll go for it. And everyone loved it. I was wrong. They were right. <laughs> uh, it, it was, it was super positive and all the photos were super cool. Um, and it, 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 it was, it was really memorable, which is what was important. Yeah. It, it's nice when you, you know, can have a little bit of humble pie when something really, you know, is, is well accepted and it, it's okay, you know, to, to accept that and, and to give your team all the credit for their good ideas. Right. Oh, oh yeah. They, if they would have listened to me, we would have, we would have not done it and we would have not been a finalist uh, in the ACC chamber of the year. So <laughs> I, I give all the credit other places. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and I think you hit on something, you know, important that, you know, where you put the budget is what gets the attention. Right. So being able to to align your intentions, you know, fiscally towards public policy, you're going to see more focus and more attention and, and more results by doing so. So I think that's a, a good leadership uh, note right there for others to, to take note of that if you don't budget for it, it's not going to happen. So um, totally agree. That's 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 definitely one of my mantras. Yes, for sure. Well, Nick, as we start to wrap things up here, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any tips or action items with listeners who are interested in taking their chamber up to the next level. Uh, what piece of advice might you offer to them? Absolutely. I think this one's actually, I read it, it like you first stumped me when, it, when you kind of gave me the heads up, I needed to answer that question. Uh, and, but I think the answer is so obvious. Uh, because I, this is what I've done for my entire career. When I was a mayor, I got involved in the Georgia Municipal Association, surrounded myself with peers, learned best practices. And I think it's just as important as to avoid the mistakes that they shared with you that they made. Then I became an economic developer and I joined the International Economic Development Council, did the same thing. And it literally, I started on as the chamber CEO, July 1st of 2019, Two weeks later, I was in Huntington Beach at the annual conference learning best practices. And uh, I literally showed up like I, I took a flight really early so I could go attend the board meeting of which what I was not allowed to attend because I wasn't on the board. <laughs> and I tried to play the well, no one said I couldn't do it. <laughs> and since yeah. I'm here, I, let me sit in. I just like I like if I'm going to do something, I'm all in. And they were like, well, sir, sorry, you cannot see. <laughs> First of all, welcome. But you're not. <laughs> you but you're not welcome here, right? <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> you can be here in Huntington Beach, just not in this office. Uh, so so I went I, like, I, you know, I went to the new member orientation and then I went to the the big welcome ceremony and it was all awesome and I, the next day I got on a peer group uh, of which I'd been on for four years and met some incredible chamber leaders uh, from literally across the country across 
there's there's great folks from Canada as well in the Caribbean, and it's been awesome. And I and I have learned so much when anytime I dive into something, I want to hear what the people that have done it, uh, what they what what like. Well, we didn't have a foundation at our chamber, yeah. and so I'm sitting there in a room with 40 CEOs. Me and one other CEO did not have a foundation. I immediately went back. Why don't we have a foundation? Found out we did. And we had created our community foundation 20 years prior. We just spun it out. And they were doing a really unique, important work in the community, but it wasn't around business. So we actually created a chamber foundation focused on helping businesses that have been uh, owners that have been historically left out. Uh, people of color, women, uh, uh, veterans that haven't been given their fair share of the pie. So we're focused on that group because nobody else was doing that work. And so that those peer groups are so important. You never know what you can learn and also just as importantly, what you can avoid. So sorry, that was a long drawn out answer is no. join. Well, join ACC, get on one of their peer groups and they're based on the size and complexity of your chamber. So there's a peer group for anybody, any chamber CEO. Right. And that's one of the main reasons why this podcast became what it is, is to be able to share some of those best practices, get to know others, you know, the peer group and learn from mistakes and successes of others. So do do all of the above as far as learning from your peers and, and those best practices to adopt those. I appreciate that. Uh, Nick, as we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Uh, well, I, I see a bright future for Chambers. I, I do think that that's a complex question because it really depends on the community because not there is no cookie cutter chamber. Uh, they are as different as the, the individual communities. And I, I think it's a great question every chamber leader needs to ask themselves. For us, we're a very, we're the fifth most diverse county in the United States. Again, a million people. Uh, a quarter of them, 250,000 people, were born outside the United States of a million people in my community. And so wow. we've been super intentional about inviting people into the chamber. Uh, because if you don't know a chamber, um, you, you've never been involved with one. A lot of people think chambers are government. And we, we find people that are first-generation American don't have a lot of trust in government. And so we have to be super intentional about inviting people. That was what it was for us. And we knew that our physical structure of our chamber wasn't super inviting. So we had to make it more open and bright and welcoming. So we're doing a $4 million renovation uh, right now. And that that's what it meant for us. But I think, you know, if you ask 10 chambers that question, you might get 10 different answers. But I think what's important is you've got to think, where is your community headed? And are you headed, are you in a parallel direction? Because if you're going east and your community is going west, uh, that's that's not good for your chamber. You've got to be mirroring your community and what they need. And that means thinking differently uh, as your community might be changing. Right. Now, that is such a, a great answer. So <laughs> every chamber is so, or yeah, every chamber, every community is so unique and you need to be able to listen to that community, see what direction you need to go and, and it'll kind of chart the course for you. But um, Every, every answer is slightly different. As I asked that, you know, now in 238 episodes, we get different answers from everybody. So I love it. Um, and Nick, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who might want to reach out and connect and learn more about how you guys are doing things there at Gwinnett. What would be the best way for them to reach out and connect? Sure. Uh, you, GwinnettChamber.org. Uh, I will point out Gwinnett 
is two N's and two T's. Uh, by the way, Gwinnett, you've never heard that name before. It is one of the three signers of the Declaration of Independence from Georgia. You're going to love this. The guy's name was Button, B-U-T-T-O-N, Button Gwinnett. Huh. People <laughs> and, just don't name their kids Button anymore, do they? <laughs> no, I know. It's such a classic name. Uh, so uh, GwinnettChamber.org. You can reach me, uh, Nick, at GwinnettChamber.org. Pretty, pretty simple. All right. We will get that in our show notes for this episode. Make it easy for people to find you. But Nick, this has been great having you on the show and hearing about the exciting work you guys are involved with. I wish you and your team best of luck as Chamber of the Year. And it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much. It really was an honor. I appreciate it. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.